The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on June 24, 2012, based on Colossians 1, verses 3 through 8. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit feeds our faith in Christ is the second lesson, Colossians 1, verses 3 through 8. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. The city of Ephesus lay on the western coast of what today we call Turkey. In the Apostle Paul's day, it was a thriving commercial center. In fact, on his third missionary journey, the Apostle spent over two years in Ephesus preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. On the other hand, the city of Colossae, was about 125 miles inland to the east. Its greatest days were in the past, for it was in decline ever since the neighboring city of Laodicea began growing in influence. Paul had not preached in Colossae, and yet the gospel had made that 125-mile journey from Ephesus to Colossae. It had made that journey in the heart of a man named Epaphras, and we'll hear more of him in a little while. And yet, even though Paul had never met these Christians here in Colossae, had never ministered to them or or preached the gospel to them, yet, did you catch the warmth, the joy, the thanks that filled his heart and overflowed in the words here that he wrote to them? For these strangers were family. They were his brothers and sisters in Christ. Because of Jesus, God was their father. And so when Epaphras comes and tells Paul of what the Holy Spirit has been doing among these people, when he tells of the spiritual blessings the Father has been working in them, Paul cannot stop giving thanks. And so, dear friends... Let's use Paul's prayer of thanksgiving here to guide our thanks. For the Holy Spirit gave Paul these words. And as we look at verse 6 here, we see that Paul describes the gospel as bearing fruit. Let's think about that and use that as a picture, in a sense as a modern day parable here, to help us see what Paul is saying in these words. For as we think about this picture of the gospel bearing fruit, 
Sort of like what Jesus was talking about in the, go- in the gospel today, in the reading earlier from Mark 4. As we ponder that picture in our heart, the Holy Spirit moves us to give thanks for the Father's spiritual blessings. That's the theme here this morning. Now, as you well know, no plant can grow without seed, and that seed won't grow unless a farmer plants it. And that brings us back to Epiphras here as we begin the first part here today. He was, you might say, the farmer who sowed the seed of the gospel there in the city of Colossae. We don't know much about Epiphras. The Bible doesn't tell us much, but we can make these reasonable assumptions based on what the scripture does say. Epiphras appears to be a native of the city of Colossae. Somewhere, probably from Paul in Ephesus, he learned the gospel. He heard and believed that good news of Jesus. And when he came back to Colossae, he could not help but share that message, that word of truth from God. He shared that good news that Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God. In him, the fullness of the deity dwelt in bodily form. He had come into this world to rescue sinners from the domain, the dominion of darkness. And he died on the cross outside Jerusalem to save us from our sins. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he rose from the dead as the promise that all who believe in him will also rise to live before God. For he has reconciled us to God, bringing us peace through his blood. That's the good news Epiphras shared with those people in Colossae. That's the seed he planted as the farmer. And that brings us to a time for us to pause and think who have been the Epiphrases in your life? Who has planted the seed of the gospel in you. And for most, if not all of us here, the first person to plant that seed of the gospel in us was not some famous Christian like the Apostle Paul. Was it your parents, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a fellow Christian? Who have been the epiphrases in your life? Not only those who first planted that seed, but also those who kept on watering it as they kept on sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with you. Give thanks to the Heavenly Father for those epiphrases in your life. They are a spiritual blessing from him. And and the other thought for us to think about here too is, to whom can you be an epiphras? You don't have to speak like angels or preach like Paul. Simply share what Jesus has done for you. Yes, you are doing the work of Epiphras here. You are being a spiritual farmer, planting the seed of the gospel and, uh, and, keeping, and, 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 and continuing to water it as you tell others the good news of Jesus. And so that now brings us to the second part here for us to think about a little bit more in detail about this gospel that Epiphras planted, that gospel that is still here among us, growing in our hearts. 
as Epaphras was doing that work of planting the gospel and watering it in, in, in Colossae, he started becoming concerned with something that was happening in the congregation there. He had planted the true gospel, good seed. But now others had come and they were proclaiming a different kind of gospel. Oh, they still talked about Jesus, but, but it wasn't the same gospel. In fact, it was no gospel at all. And so Epaphras goes to find the Apostle Paul for help. And Paul is probably in prison in Rome at this time. He can't come personally to Colossae, but he does write this letter. And by writing this letter, he reinforces for Epaphras and those Christians in Colossae and also reinforces for you and me still today what the true gospel is. The true gospel is not limited to one place or one group of people. No, the true gospel goes out into all the world. And wherever it is preached in its truth and purity, there it grows and produces a harvest of fruit. It bears fruit, as Paul says here. Read Colossians, the first chapter or the first two chapters, to hear Paul beautifully present this gospel, the only true gospel. For here, Paul proclaims that Jesus is our God, the eternal Son of the Father. In him we have rescue, redemption, forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace. For even though he is God over all, Jesus gave himself into death in order to reconcile us to the Father. Yes, think about what that means. Jesus gave himself into death, sacrificing his body, pouring out his blood. And why? Why? In order to present you before the Father as holy, without blemish, free of any accusation because you have been washed clean in him. Yes, we stand before the Father as holy people, as saints, as long as we continue in the faith that is rooted in the gospel, God's word of truth. And so now going back to our picture of of the crops growing and producing fruit, what parallels do we find of the gospel represented in that picture. And I think there is more than one way we can picture this. First of all, the gospel, of course, is the seed. Faith cannot grow without the gospel, just as a plant cannot grow without the seed. The gospel is the tool the Holy Spirit uses to bring you and me to know and believe God's grace in Christ. But the gospel is not only for the beginning of the Christian life, like the seed is there at the beginning when the plant grows. We need the gospel every day to keep our faith growing. And so I think another way we can incorporate the gospel into this picture is to think of it as as the rain that waters the crop. Just as God sends the rain to keep the crop growing so that it does not die, but instead produces a harvest... So the Heavenly Father sends down the gospel through the rain clouds of his word and sacraments to water the faith that is growing in our hearts. Drink in that living water day after day. 
And a third way I think we can see the gospel in this picture is, is as the soil itself. For a plant will not grow, will not stay alive, will not produce fruit if it is not firmly rooted in the soil. And so faith needs to be firmly rooted in the gospel. It needs that terra firma, that, that word of truth as its firm foundation. What a spiritual blessing the gospel is that our Heavenly Father has, has given to you and to me. Yes, that gospel is among us, just like it was among the Christians in Colossae. What a blessing that is, because there are a lot of pseudo-gospels out in the world today, just as that false gospels were troubling the Christians there as well. Those false gospels can look good, but they are the weeds that choke out faith. They cannot produce a harvest. Don't listen to them. Rather, keep on God's word of truth. Keep on taking to heart the gospel. What a way for us to give thanks to God for this most precious treasure of the gospel, that seed, that water, that, 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 that soil. What a way to give him thanks by gladly hearing and learning his gospel, treasuring it in our hearts, living it in our lives. For that word of truth, the gospel, produces a wonderful crop and harvest in us. And that brings us to the third and final part here. Just as a seed produces a plant, so the gospel produces faith. That's why the Apostle Paul writes here, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Yes, dear friends, faith trusts Jesus. Faith trusts that he is the Christ, the Lord's anointed sent by the Father on the mission to save us sinners. Faith believes that as the Christ, he offered himself as the complete sacrifice for all sins. And that as the Christ, he conquered Satan and death by rising from the dead, so that through his word, he reigns in our hearts as our king. And now, just as a plant that grows produces fruit or a harvest of fruit, whether that's apples or, or a harvest of corn or grain. So also, as faith lives in our hearts and grows there, it produces a harvest of fruit. And what is that fruit that faith produces? It's love. Love for others, especially our fellow Christians who are also saints before God, washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ, just like you and me. Notice how Paul gives thanks to God for that love, that fruit of faith. As he writes here, we have heard of the love you have for all the saints. And now this gives us pause to examine our own hearts too, doesn't it? How well are we producing that fruit of love in our lives? How well are we showing that love to our fellow church members? Do we treat one another as fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of Jesus? Or are we still apt to see the blemishes and stains left by sin so that we criticize 
so that we complain about one another, tearing down, gossiping about others. Now, as you well know, there is a place where Christian love does point out sin in order to call a a straying Christian back to Jesus. But there is a world of difference between that loving call to repentance and that lack of love that simply looks at the faults in others so that we can feel better about ourselves. Do others see the love that we show one another and are attracted to want to know more about about our Savior Jesus from whom that love flows? Or do others see only a lukewarmness, sort of an uncaringness, a lack of love and wonder why they should be part of that group? I think this is an area where we can see, yes, at times we do show that Christian love and at times each of us falls short as well. And so that brings us to the question here. How can we grow to produce this fruit of love more and more so that the harvest of love towards others is is bountiful? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul says about that. He says, The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth. A hope that Paul talks about here is not some sort of wishful feeling inside of us. No, this is the hope that is stored away for us in heaven. The hope that Jesus' holy precious blood purchased for you. That, that the, the hope that his resurrection guarantees and seals to you who believe. The hope that really is another way of describing what the gospel promises to you and to me. In a way, we could picture this hope as the sun that even though it shines at a distance, it it brings its power and strength right here to us now so that our faith grows and produces that harvest of love. Now as that heavenly hope shines down on us, that leads us, empowers us, enables us all the more to show love to one another. Think of it this way. We have the treasures of heaven stored up, laid away for us. That enables us to use our earthly wealth to show love and care for others right here and now. We have the glory of heaven waiting for us. And so we don't need to tear others down as we claw our way through life, tearing them down so that we can feel better about ourselves. We have the, 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 the hope of heaven so that no matter how dark or heavy a day may be, the light of love can shine from us because we know that that hope of glory, that hope of heaven far outweighs whatever present suffering we are going through. And so we can shine with that light of love to encourage one another and build one another up. As Paul writes these words here, he paints that wonderful picture, that wonderful picture of the seed of the gospel growing into faith that produces this love. Love for one another. He has seen that begun among the Christians in Colossae, and so he gives thanks to the Father for those spiritual blessings. 
And so also, dear friends, give thanks to the Father for that spiritual blessing of faith and love that he has worked in your heart by bringing you that good news of the hope of heaven. But not only give him thanks for the faith and love in your heart, give thanks for the faith and love the Heavenly Father has worked in the hearts of your fellow Christians through that same hope of heaven. Just as Paul gave thanks for these Christians in Colossae. Yes, give thanks for your fellow Christians, even if you have never met them. For they too are spiritual blessings from our Heavenly Father. And so, dear friends, we give thanks for the Father's spiritual blessings. He has sent his faithful workers to plant the seed of the gospel in our hearts. And that seed watered through the preaching and teaching of his word, has grown in your heart. Stay rooted in his word of truth so that that faith growing in you continues to produce a harvest of love as you bask in the hope of heaven that the gospel has promised to you. What a way for us to give thanks for the Father's spiritual blessings. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.